Welcome to Marketer to Marketer, Season 2 from Content Marketing World. I think the big question for this panel is, are any of the men going to get a chance to talk? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're good. Are We're you? Listening. I'm here to listen. Say something intelligent. Then. Oh my God. I don't think I can do that. Anybody Aren't know any you? good jokes? Maybe. What, what is your opening line from your presentation? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the quote because I got to read it because okay. I, I didn't memorize it. But it's a quote from Kathy Acker, the author. She's talking about how there's no I, and so she should invent uh, multiple eyes. The I, as in my identity. Uh, right. So there's no singular identity, so why not uh, create multiple identities? And so the framing of that is you know, when you're looking at your brand or product or uh, whatever it is. There's no sort of natural truth to it, but instead there's manifestations uh, connected to the sort of flat reality of your your prospect and you and the middle ground in between. And that's where you create your eye or your themes for your content, right? So in my case, I limit it to, I don't know, three or four usually, but I have, you know, smaller scope companies. You know, we have a, we're a one product company, so it's a little easier. Um, but you know, I create three eyes, right? And these are the ones that I run through for, you know, ad infinitum, keep on hitting the same themes over and over again. Okay. To me, it's boring at a certain point, like after a year of writing about, say, medication adherence, you know, it gets boring to me. I can imagine that that would get boring. Yeah. I really love it, but medication it gets boring. Medication adherence yes. just in inherently sounds it's not so exciting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Medication <laughs> probably helps. Yes, it does. <laughs> if you take it, right? If you take it. If you take and therein lies the joke. Yes. So, but I mean, you know, there's only a, so much you can say from my perspective, but the, you know, the audience has only engaged with what, two out of the 15 of That's the right. pieces of content right. I've developed. Yep. Just because I'm bored with it doesn't mean they are. So I say that to people all the time about email marketing, actually. Like, you know, I don't think we need to send six emails about this one thing. Right. I'm like, listen, what's your open rate? On a good day, your open rate's 25%. Mm -hmm. I mean, 75% of your audience had no chance to read the content that you're already tired of. I think as content marketers, we totally, we think we have to make new, fresh all the time, mm -mm. and we forget to get the life out of the stuff that we've already yeah. made. Yeah. I don't have any problem at all with sending something, not the exact same email, because you do have 25% that read it, but you can send something a couple of times before it's tired to other people. Well, what about just cutting out the folks who opened it and sending it to the, you know, the unopened ones. So I actually did that for years and now, frankly, I find that those people that opened it but still didn't take the action that I wanted are the folks I probably want to go back to. Oh, so I, I don't cut anybody that. that opened out because they're probably my most engaged audience for that topic. And do you target that. those, that smaller group of people more um, specifically? In other words, would you take the initial email that they opened but didn't take action on? Or would you tack a little thing at the beginning and say, hey, I know you I know you read this. I'm watching. Come on, click creepy. the link. Yeah. 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 I mean not you that, know I but should. you know, something that might engage them to go through it again. Right. And maybe again, you're reusing your content, the the bulk of the content, but something that might hook them in again and get them to potentially engage more and click the link. The answer is I should. Oh, okay. So, so what, it's not like, a dumb idea. I'm not an email no, marketer. So. No, it's not, a, it's not a dumb idea. And actually, let's if we make it concrete, this is, let's say, a webinar, and I want you to register. So you've opened the email. You've maybe even clicked, but you haven't registered yet. Mm -hmm. So now I have mm -hmm. a group of people that has engaged with the email but not taken the action, yeah. audience number one, a group of people that never opened the first email, try a different subject line, a different tactic, a different right. value proposition, whatever, email number two, and then a group of people that has registered, audience number three slash 
they've moved down the funnel and now I right. need different right. comment. I need different right. material for them in general. Right. right. Yeah. So yes, I should. Probably I spend most of my day just resending to the entire group of people. But there's there's still a um, uh, a core, if you will, of reusable stuff, at yes. least across the first two audiences, for sure. And maybe even the third audience, because again, they've registered for a webinar about that topic, so it's probably okay to send them more information about that topic. Right. You just may want to deprioritize the article or the webinar they've already registered for. Right. Right. So... If you think like a newsletter or something, yeah. great. Just switch up the content, give them something they haven't clicked on, or a deeper link to something that they have clicked on. Um, that's okay. actually a good one. We do. I, I will admit, give myself a little credit here. Uh, we do have a client that we have their welcome email goes out, and you can click on sort of the benefits uh, throughout the email and email one, email two. Whatever you clicked on in email one goes deeper onto that topic. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. So that's yeah. nice, right? Yeah. And it's all automated. I didn't have to. It's got little branching thing going on. That's and, right. Mm -hmm. So I use dynamic content in the second email based on whatever your last clicked right. area of interest is. Right. And all this is possible thanks to the wonders of marketing automation software, right? right? right. So I, I don't have to actually make those segments. It's literally the same email for everybody. Yeah. And then we swap out that body of content. Well, the it's geek in me loves that whole reusable thing. Yeah. Coming from a post product content background. Yeah. I mean, that's my bread and butter, right? Is figuring out how to create modular content and get it reused and so on. And I think a lot of people's perception is marketing is totally different. It's totally creative. I mean, that's clearly to me when I attend conferences like this and I see so many people talking about, you can just take, uh, in fact, I watched Lee Odin's session yesterday yep. about influencer marketing. Yep. He's doing it in a spreadsheet. He has like all these, he has these little quotes and things that people have, different people have talked about. And so when he wants to make a point about a particular topic, he can go to this spreadsheet, he can search it. Yeah. He can find, you know, Amy Porterfield talked about whatever. And he's got it in a spreadsheet. And I was there with another person who also comes from a post-sales content background. And I'm like, they're getting geeky. He's talking about modular content. Like we've been doing this mm -hmm. for 20 years. But yes, modular content. And I said, He's in a spreadsheet, but baby steps, yeah. baby steps, right? He's but not the only person using a spreadsheet to keep. Oh yeah, we yeah. There are yeah. actually Extra a lot content. of post sales content people totally. too. We we'll get to CMSs at some point, yeah. but I love that it's not all magic and paint brushes and unicorns and rainbows and creativity and I mean because when you're on the other side of that wall, it's like we're told no, we would never reuse anything. So what you're telling us is useless. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yesterday, um, I saw Garrett Moon uh, from CoSchedule give a talk about um, you know B two B demand gen and lead generation, all that type of thing. And he was talking about uh, he, he he put words to something that um, I have been thinking about and that I know a lot of companies struggle with <laughs> as it relates to their marketers. And it is that marketers are perhaps a little too focused on uh, tension-based metrics rather than business result metrics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen and to that. He even gave an example in, in complete candor. He said, you know, he gave an example of a uh, blog post they had done, which was really, really successful about use, the use of color in marketing and uh, got shared quite a bit and uh, just really, really great. But he had a, if I'm not mistaken, a conversion rate of 0 .003 on it. Wow. And the reason why was because their, their tool, CoSchedule, has nothing to do with color. Mm -hmm. But late, and, and so they said, well, 
it was great. We got a lot of traffic without using a cat video, but you know, we got this, but it wasn't related to what we could help people with. So then he talked later about um, other issues that are of great interest to people like us, like mar um, scheduling and uh, right. uh, best times to post and all that type of thing, and much better conversion rate. Mm. So um, I think that that is an underlying problem that a lot of companies have with marketers. And I think, you know, I don't want to get pulled off the stage here, as I often <laughs> do, but marketers have a real image problem. Um, that, and the main reason I think of that is because there are too many studies I've read that talk about how the C-suite or uh, other departments think of marketers as the arts and crafts party planners who yes. work in the yes. making yes. pretty department. Yes. Huh. And they talk about these types of things that people, right or wrong, just don't think are that important. But when they're able to get into the revenue camp yeah. and talk about business results, uh, the sky's open for them. And I think that's where you got to be located now. Yes, um, oh, and aligned with <laughs> aligned with sales. Like I, yes. I would even argue uh, that you know we think about marketing and sales as being sort of this way, right? Where marketing gives sales the tools to uh, close deals, you know, mm -hmm. engage their prospects. Uh, I would argue that if you can figure out a way to make sales a channel of marketing, and maybe not you know the sort of latter part of sales that really demand human relationships and that unique sort of skill set that great salespeople have. But all the earlier parts of sales, if that can become a, a, a marketing channel, just like trade shows, just like mm -hmm. email, just mm -hmm. like everything else, I think there's a value in that. And it's a value derived from pushing towards that you know, big pile of cash at the end of the, the pipeline. Yeah, the, the marketers are owning, whether they want to or not, more of the buyer journey. Mm -hmm. right. And um, for a lot of companies that are able to get marketing and sales aligned or collaborating or working towards a common revenue goal, um, you're starting to see a few companies where there's uh, nobody that's a VP of marketing and sales, it's VP of revenue. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the marketing and sales people, you know, how are you going to achieve that revenue? Right. They're, they're approaching it that way. You know, it's interesting, um, Michael Brenner, in Michael Brenner's workshop on Tuesday, he put up a slide that said, I think it was eight, either 80 or 90% of CEOs hate their CMO. Oh, that might, have, that might have been the Fournay's group. Um, they yes, Fournay's. They yes, don't yes. trust 80%. Don't, trust, don't their, trust their CMOs in that they don't think that they understand how revenue happens. Exact. Well, that and I think you know I was talking to a couple that hates their CMO. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they're nice people. I mean, I, they're, <laughs> they're nice people, yeah. right? But they, but no, I think they do, they um, are just are not connecting with that C seat. Yeah, and, and whether that's true or not, that's the perception. That's the perception, right. yeah. exactly. And they were saying, and 10% of, of CEOs have any issues with any of the other C seats, which I thought was really interesting. Like they're fine with their COOs and yeah. they're fine with all, like all the other C people. Finance, HR. Finance, yeah. I will tell you, that surprises me because as a CMO or the marketing arm, I feel like we have that. So sales and marketing have their partnership opportunity right? and uh, sales and or marketing and IT have had a huge bridge to build in mm -hmm. the last few years. So mm -hmm. I'm surprised to hear that there are no CMOs that like my CIO is a real case. I suspect mm. there may be CMOs that have issues with other C's, but the CEO has oh, issues. Just yeah, just, it was just a CEO's study and it was just the CMOs that they had issues with. 
And I was talking about this with a couple of folks who are marketing people. I'm, I am a marketing person for my own business, but I, I'm not a professional, professional marketer. And one of the things that they were saying that we were talking about was the fact that marketing is finally getting to be much more data-based. Like it's a huge, huge theme here at the conference. I love it. More data, more metrics, like really understanding how to communicate what your business value is and having more business-focused impact results value than smoke and mirrors and party planning and whatever. Right. Yeah. But social media audience size or even engagement metrics, which are not even vanity metrics. Right, exactly. They can be leading indicators, but they're probably yeah. not what you need to show your Exactly. Right. But I think the well, history, first, yeah. right. <laughs> I think the history in marketing has been, we're, we got this, we know how to do it. The perception of the history in marketing is, we know what we're doing, we know how to do it. Nobody else really knows what's <clears throat> happening in that little black box of marketing. Yeah. Sometimes stuff comes out of it. Sometimes stuff doesn't. We're throwing money in and hoping something happens. Well, it's the you old, know? so coming from a traditional agency, it's the TV model. We know that TV works because when we run it, we sell things. And when we don't run it, we don't sell things. Right. That's not good enough. I mean, we're yes. just in a post Those were the good old days. World. Those right. were the good old right. days. That's right. We, TV we radio. Did. TV and radio because we knew that advertising worked. We could see right. that in the presence of and the absence of, it works. How much? Don't know. You can average it, or that's what they do at least. So, right. You know, I sell into pharma and they love TV. You bet. Um, and they do it because they know that they can write a big check and get a 2x return. Yes. And to them, that's better than writing 20 small checks and getting a 5x return. So I understand that. How are they tracking their return? Are we still doing individualized phone numbers on TV shots and direct <laughs> so, response? No, they don't. From my understanding, at least they're not even measuring it. They just default to a 2x. No, stop. Wait, look at that. Sales I, I may be wrong. Or? They're just looking at sales numbers. Well, I mean, they're looking at sales, of course. Because there, but the, but so that's, I, you're, you're presupposing that's going to be your output, and that's your justification for doing it. We're focusing on that one mm -hmm. outlet. So I, for a long time, I came from the digital side, measurable, trackable, yes. variable, everything. Came over to the, the Barclay side, the, the traditional plus emerging side. Right. Uh, and there is a thing called a brand tracker that I didn't realize existed, which is, have you heard of this brand before you run the TV and after you run the TV or any awareness based uh -huh, campaign? Uh -huh. uh, do you have a preference for this brand before and after in the markets where you're running? And then in some cases you can actually say, have you purchased? Now this is all self-reported. So of course, digital metrics, Jessica is like, I'm not having it. I don't, that right, doesn't work right. for me. But in that, when you look at your overarching performance map, there is a stage for awareness because there's not a lot of conversion mm -hmm. if you don't know something exists. Right. So the awareness funnel is measured by this $200,000 a year brand tracker. And I'm like, that's one way to do it. Sure. I Unless that's most of your budget. Not my favorite. The, yeah. I mean, right. I would kind of question, and it is, it's all self-reported, but being a left brain geek, pretty yes and no did you know about me before or after it's pretty even pretty yes and no did you buy or not buy but do you prefer me maybe at would this you consider, moment I, think is the wording, I yeah. would prefer you because I'm staring at your question and I don't want to let you down uh, you so know what I mean very, I, mean, I yep. think it's gonna be culturally dependent I think there's so much that goes into right. that it's so so subjective well that's 100% true no matter what right if I run television spots and I spend a lot of money but my brand has an oops in the media doesn't matter how much I spent in TV, right. I'm not making money this week. Right, right. So there's sure. a ton, or the market is down, right? I have a ton of clients that are, if not seasonal, fully cyclical. 
I mean, we're talking when the market is good, they're good. And when the market is bad, they are directly correlatively bad. Right. So in that case, you can spend money in those years on TV or you can put it in the bank and wait until the market is back up. Hmm. And that's the type of thing that you're... 2x gut check right. stuff. That's the stuff that makes me nuts, right? Is right. oh yeah, TV works for sure. Because you market through a recession, right? I mean, most brands are we're down. We got to market our way back up. We got to yeah. figure out how to get back up. Well, I have a client that's learned when it's a recession, we're out. We got to go low. Interesting. It's that fascinating. is yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, and that's smart. Kind of like buy low, sell high. It's a it's a housing market. What a model. what a interesting. Sure. You got it. Well, you know, in my case, uh, you know, we have buyer seasons, right? And that starts yeah. next week, actually. So I went to, next you know, bear, uh, yeah, next week. It's what's like flu season or uh, like they took the They took vacation for all of August oh. and they're just getting back into the group this week. And then, you know, yeah. next week is when they start actively, you know, engaging with potential vendors. Um, and so because of that, my summertime, I brought my, my uh, you know, AdWords spend, my LinkedIn spend, all, all of my spends went to a bare bones level. Yep. And it was just a building season for yep. me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, building my sort of plan for September to December. Yep. Um, and I mean, that's a micro sort of example of that, but, but it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna succeed during that time anyway. So right. I might as well do something uh, more useful with my time and, and pocket that budget and, and spend it a couple of months later. It sounds. To me, though, what it really comes down to is really understanding who who are these people and what yes. are they doing. Yeah, the, the people right? on the other end of the yeah, year. you totally know them. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever looked at Google Ad Trends for like a uh, name a buzzword in the marketing industry? Content marketing. Content marketing. Go look at Google AdWords for content marketing. Mark the tape the week between Christmas and New Year's. Silence. Oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Oh my God, we're an industry. <laughs> like we, the advertising agency community, are we are so in a jar with our own words and our own <laughs> seasons. But that week between Christmas and New Year's, everybody sort of agrees it's going to be quiet this week. So even just the search terms for that content marketing or millennial marketing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. return on ad spend, whatever it is, right? If you choose, especially agency, something that an agency buzzword would really grab onto, silence. It's fascinating. It is the most pronounced trend. I, we had, my team had so much fun doing this. Because it was some, I was like, what is that? And somebody looked at the actual dates. And I was like, oh, we're not in the office. I wonder how many agencies or clients are planning to be in the office right. during that time. And year over year, every year you can see the dip. We looked up as many words as we can find to find the most buzzwordy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. even remember what one now, but it was a fun exercise. Looking well, we could, for buzzword free slots, yes. slots in the calendar. Yes. Yeah, you gotta be careful mentioning that because we could spend the next 90 minutes coming up with all our marketing buzzwords. That, right. uh, That's right. true, That's true. Actually, Which I, makes it worse for marketers, I think. Uh, it does. Well, and and. Typically, so as a speaker, you try to avoid at least the jargony stuff. Um, But buzzwords seem to almost force their way into talk titles. And like you go through the program and it's like (laughs) buzzword bingo. We actually, I had um, an event in Kansas City. I'm in Kansas City full time. Uh, I had an event in Kansas City where the conference organizers had a bingo card with buzzwords and every time a speaker said one or somebody at your table said one. That's you, great. I, I love it. There's one here okay, I saw yesterday. I would spend all day doing it. The middle uh, square is a picture of Joe Polizzi and it's the free square. 
Yeah. So you, you can just fill uh, that everybody in. gets Joe. But it, yeah. there's Joe Pelosi right there. Say, exactly. Well, everybody right. gets We're Joe. We're talking buzzword bingo, and you're the free square in the center of the buzzword bingo. It oh, there is. Yeah. That would be way cooler. Yeah. We're talking about marketing buzzword. Right yeah, we, we are. are. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Well, well, let everybody Hi, see who. Right. Right. At least see the orange uh, boots. It's a conversation. Yeah, throw, right. throw your it's shoes a, up there. It's Joe Polizzi. Yeah. Hi. I'm, I'll be back in a little bit. Right. <laughs> I would totally do that, though. I mean, you think about how Sorry, much Jeff. time. Yeah. <laughs> he can edit that. Yeah. You think about how much time people come up, spend coming up with their booth ideas. So yesterday, I smelled popcorn walking on the expo floor. I was like, oh, popcorn. Okay, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, they brought a popcorn machine, right? Right. right. Two different booths thought of that. There were two booths that thought of a popcorn machine. I was like, okay, maybe we're out of ideas. Tip for vendors for next year? Chocolate chip cookies. Oh, yeah. yes. Especially if you can figure out how to how warm, to them, warm up them up or yeah. on the show floor. They can get some from Doubletree Hotels to right. show oh, them. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Hey, Doubletree Hotels, we're talking about That's them. That's right. I was going to say, are, is there a sponsor for are. this podcast? They're mentioned in... Uh, Doubletree Hotel Cookies. Get on that. From Jay Bear's new book, he talks a lot about a talk trigger. Hey, wait, we're talking about them. That's right. <laughs> right. And they didn't run an ad. Now, we actually yeah. uh, made Doubletree Cookies at home once. Uh, they were terrible. Oh, really? It's, it, I mean, they tasted the same, but I think it's a context thing because they right. just didn't taste good Oh, they're not the home. best in the world, but the, who else is offering warm ones when you show in... It, Exactly. And yet there's people say. who will say, I only go to Doubletree because I get that cookie. <laughs> They're making big decisions uh, based on that experience. Wow, right? that's right, impressive. Right. So that's yeah. fascinating to me. So I also sit next to the customer experience department, and I would say while the cookie is a noteworthy right. ad, I have had a consistently poor experience at the last three Doubletrees double I've stayed in. Hmm. I don't know if hmm. I'm allowed to say that on camera or not. You were, she she kind of cut us anyway, yeah. I think. Did you cut us? No? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so I would not stay at a double tree and I would buy a warm cookie. Right. At like a coffee shop or something. Because yeah. right. I, A, the last couple of times they haven't warmed up my cookie. I was a little rusty about that. Oh, well, there but you go. But then they had a brand new double tree in Arvada, Colorado, outside of Denver, that was three years old. It was an incredible experience. But most of the double trees are so old, they just haven't kept right. up with uh, that oh. customer experience. The actual experience of staying in a hotel, if you're going to stay in a lot of hotels, three nights at a bad hotel is mm. not worth it. Oh, okay, right. so totally. that is a perfect example of my rant. Is it, is it oh the experience of getting stale? Because there's... Oh, no. No, <laughs> no not that, but that's good. That idea that we work so hard to get to the sale yeah. it's kind of like we got him into the hotel right we gave him a cookie that's like my little my little gift for buying your thing and then i get to the room and it's like if the sheets aren't clean or you know whatever yeah. but, the, but the, the delivery yeah, right the is a very poor experience and what happens no case study no testimonial no referral right. no reference being talked about in a negative way, yeah, right? And, hmm. and there's so much, um, I think in the marketing space, as a non-marketer, there's so much in the marketing space about that whole pre-sale, the buyer journey. I'm like, when I am no longer the person you're trying to get to buy, what are you doing for me? Why? Right? What have you done for me lately? It's, for me, it's all about retention and advocacy. Right, why does that experience change? We've talked about it already. 
the which experience the post the post post sales experience. experience it shouldn't change it shouldn't it changes because marketing owns you then sales owns you then customer right. service exactly right. and that should point. be That's completely invisible should be complete companies out there listen to me it's one contiguous journey it needs to be consistent you need a clean handoff you need uh, people talking to each other so that journey is a beautiful thing from beginning to end otherwise we when I was in corporate, we used to call it pushing them off the buy cliff. Yeah. They yeah. buy, boom, okay, see you later, we don't care about you. And then the post sales people have no idea what the promise was. I've got to deliver on your promise. Yeah. If I don't know what it was, how am I going to deliver on it? Or yeah. so, just thinking of your experience as part of your marketing. You know, when customer experience is not included in the marketing department. Well, market, right. you're, you're always marketing. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't think you are, even if you don't, it's not something that you're focused on consciously how people are receiving, using, being transformed by or not your product, mm-hmm. that's also marketing because yeah. that's going to get you to the advocacy. And mm-hmm. if you're not focusing not. on it, I would guess that you're marketing it in a not good way. Probably. Yeah. 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 So that requires a, almost a concierge experience, right? Absolutely. From, from beginning to you know, yeah. death, basically. Of, of, beginning of, to death. Of, of your relationship, yeah. right? Um, I think it's a challenge though. I mean, I have, you know, in my case at least, and, and, you know, I'm an exception in that I'm the only marketer in my company. I have no scope or scale for that. Yep. I don't yeah. even, I can't even take it past a certain level in sales. I'm done. It's yep. all on you guys, you know, yep. yeah. you close it or you don't. Um, and so scaling even further into the customer experience is an absolute impossibility. Yeah. Um, there's no way. I mean, I've thought about it and I've thought about maybe talking to my, you know, project managers that deal with the customers, but I almost don't want to open the door because I can't deliver on the promise that you actually need. Yeah. So what do you do if you don't have a if you don't have a system to actually, you know, have the capability to take care of these things? Is there a trick or a methodology to I at mean, least get a little bit of it covered? Yeah, I mean I think it starts with relationships within your teams. Mm-hmm. And having sure. so I did in my corporate experience and work with my clients to do a lot of reach out from the post-sale side back into marketing um, and try to figure out like what's win-win for both of you. So I was on a team um, that had one and a half marketing people for 20 products and they had 40 technical writers (laughs) doing documentation that said type your name in the name field. And I was like, okay, seriously low value output over here potentially high value impact over here, but no time to create content. And we got together and the marketing woman said, oh, I I just, I don't have any time. In fact, my VP just came to me today and said, we need a demo tomorrow. I, my ad budget is maxed out and it's me and this other person and we've got all these deadlines. I don't have time to do this. And I said, so here's this technical writer who knows the product really well, has no idea what kind of story you're trying to sell, doesn't understand or tell, doesn't understand how you're doing your positioning. Right. But they, this guy has to create a product overview. And do you know what that's going to look like without your insight? Mm -hmm. Here's the file menu. Type your name in the name field. Click OK. I mean, that's it's going to be a video of how to log in. I said, you two get together. You give this guy the story, the framework, the messages, the positioning, who's this market, what's their pain, and he will create for you this amazing demo. And then you use it in both places. And then what happens there is not only the win-win internally, but you get this beautiful consistency between this is the story they told me in the marketing, and this is the story they're telling me in the product. Like, wow, 
this company, they actually talk to each other. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I think that kind of thing can go a, such a long way. A you get so much higher value content on both ends of the equation. You get help. I mean, your, your technical content people, post-sales content people, how much are you going to pay for them? They're already being paid. Why don't you give them the insights they need to be able to create higher value content that can be used in more places? So I'll right. tell you that was um, because of a small team. I came from a SaaS company where I was marketing, handoff to sales. I, I don't have the time for that. Right. But I also oversaw somewhat unofficially the customer service and support team. So all the demos were me. All of the onboarding instructions were me. All of the cross-sell and upsell was me. Yeah. So what you call retention marketing. I, because I was a one and a half person department, it was me. And I did, have, it was consistent, this is not a plan, right? This is not a business plan, don't write this down. But it was consistent because I was the only one right. doing it. So but at it, least it doesn't have case, to be a one person yeah. show. It doesn't have to be a one person show, but again, that goes back to let's roll up to the same leader so that our mission all goes up, we are all graded by the same yes. executive. Well, mm -hmm. and that's usually the biggest problem, right? So if you're trying to reach out to your post sales content people, and you report to two different people and where you meet is the CEO right. and you're in a big company, like some of the, I mean, I worked at IBM, right? We often would not be in the same organization until we got to the general manager mm -hmm. of, the, of the business unit. Yep. And these guys all have their own agenda. They have their own business goals. And so we, you and I could get together and talk. We love each other. We've got a plan. We're going to do this. And as soon as my VP comes down and says, what are you spending your time on that for? Go do this. Right. I'm off, right? Yeah. I've got, I'm being evaluated on these exactly. other things. So. And so a lot of it is culture, right? You've got to have the right incentives to collaborate. You've, there's so much in the process and the culture that will derail a really well-intentioned effort, right? So mm. that, can be, that can be huge. All of that is goal setting. So like everything that we've kind of touched on, it's all goal setting. It's all what are your business goals yeah what are your marketing team goals check those do they match i had a company literally tell me yes. they wanted to open 20 new stores as their business goal and they wanted same store sales in those markets to go up by 20 percent. i go you're gonna have a hard time yeah yeah when you open a, you're gonna your revenue is gonna go up but same store sales yeah. is gonna have a hard time well and you've really got a question the business goals of two organizations within one product business unit, one pre-sales, one post-sales, that don't align well, for the I'm same saying. product. So, right? so, and I kind of, I'm drawing my little performance framework. You got your business, <laughs> big, hairy, audacious business goals, the marketing goals that mean that we, the marketing team across everybody, are going to help achieve those goals. And then we go down into each stage of the customer journey or customer life cycle, or it's really a funnel. We're not talking customer journey at this point. Uh, I want to move people through that funnel to hit that goal. What are my markers? I need awareness to be on track. I need my conversion rate to be on track. I need my revenue to be on track. What does that mean? Does that mean I care about audience size? Some, yes, Right. in fairness, uh, because there's an audience there to place media against. How about conversion? If I care about a 10% and a 10% close rate, do I care about the open rate on my emails? No. Just use that as your guiding light. If you put your goalposts out out front, mm -hmm. everybody's going towards the same 
end zone. That's yeah. all the sports metaphor I've got. Like, I like it. As far no. as I can take I like that it. Well, switch, metaphor. Switch My into, husband would be yeah. so disappointed right now. Using cooking as a metaphor. I think there you with go. that, this right? This is better for me. Let's go <laughs> cooking. Okay. You've got to cut the fat out or enable the fat to be cut out. Yeah. So right. if you have these very that's strict right. goals that you're going toward, everything that's outside of those goals should be, uh, you know, non-required work. Right. Yeah. Basically, right. you don't need to do that. Not important, not urgent. Right. 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 It is not. It is neither important nor urgent. Right. Right. Whether somebody comes and says we should do this in front of you, you'll now have a, a grid by which to say, yeah. not thinking that. How does that really fit the, into the priorities? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Marketer to Marketer. If you enjoyed this show, check out some of our other content on EnterpriseMarketer.com. We hope you join us again for another episode of Marketer to Marketer. Get to Old Navy today for a huge 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get a jump on those New Year's resolutions with hoodies, leggings, and more. All 50% off today only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1228 excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy today for a huge 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get a jump on those New Year's resolutions with hoodies, leggings, and more. All 50% off today only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1228 excludes in-store clearance.